Welcome to Top of the Game with Javier Sade, where we talk to amazing people that are shaping the world. These lightning round talks explore what makes remarkable leaders tick. Thinkers and doers pushing humankind forward and at the top of their games. Impactful insights, global perspectives, valuable wisdom you can use every day in your life and work. This is Top of the Game. Enjoy today's episode. Here's Javier. Today, we talk with Nate Johannes. Let's do it. Nate's journey started in Eritrea, a small country in the Horn of Africa where Tess, Nate's father, became a freedom fighter in the struggle for liberty, who one day stepped into a landmine and cost him his eye. The family entered the United States on their political asylum as refugees in upstate New York. Tess's belief in democracy and the values of equality, self-autonomy, and hard work were passed on to Nate. I saw this firsthand. By the time the White House had sent me Nate's profile, a lawyer with Wall Street chops, I had interviewed more than a dozen people for the coveted role I ended up hiring him for, senior advisor for program that oversaw tens of billions of dollars for high-growth businesses and cutting-edge technologies. He has spent seven years at two multi-trillion dollar companies at the cutting edge of AI, Microsoft and Meta. He is currently the artificial intelligence and machine learning lead for Instagram creators, where he drives strategy to commercialize state-of-the-art technology for content understanding using large language models. Prior to his current role in Instagram, he was product leader for foundational AI and machine learning for Facebook. Before that, he was director of AI product strategy and Microsoft's office of the chief technology officer, which among other things made the investment in OpenAI, the strategic partnership with NVIDIA, and attempted to acquire TikTok. Before that, he held various product management roles in AI, virtual and augmented reality, and business development for cloud computing. Nate Johannes, welcome to the show. Javier, it's good to connect again. How are you? I'm superb. Uh, I have to be honest with the listeners. I've known Nate for over a decade. In fact, I had the privilege of working with Nate a couple administrations ago, and he has a remarkable story. And that's where I want you to start, Nate, is just your path into the United States. Generally, your early years, I think, will be really illustrative for listeners. Yeah, yeah, happy to. First of all, uh, for, for the listeners, Javier was my manager, and I don't know if there's an AI model that can compete against his compute. You know, uh, it's been the 40th year since my parents came to America. Last week was the 40th uh, year uh, anniversary uh, for my family where uh, I'm a child of political refugees from a small country in East Africa called Eritrea. And uh, my family came under uh, asylum uh, in 1984. And um, certainly the United States has been a uh, what, what I would call one of the best platforms to really um, rise and, and you know, uh, uh, be able to break the barriers and certainly when i speak to javier for example you know uh, uh, a child of refugees from eritrea working for uh you know a a uh, latino puerto rican um is in, in representing the united states of america uh truly defines uh the, the ability um to uh be able to have meaningful impact in this country and it was for an african-american president that is an incredible answer nate and it does show that under the most difficult of circumstances and no matter where we start, we succeed. And just for the listeners, again, the programs that we ran were 
you know, essentially tens and tens of billions of dollars, mostly geared at fast growth companies or very early stage technologies. Nate, as you heard in his bio, had quite a ride after uh, the Obama administration. He has worked in or around artificial intelligence at two gigantic companies, Microsoft and Facebook, Current, uh, sorry, and Meta. Sorry, Nate, I know it's Meta now, but um, talk a little bit about your current role. And I kind of want to work my way backward from there. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that, Javier. And certainly, um, you know, uh, my 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 trail has been a lot of curiosity uh, and, and really pushing the boundaries of myself uh, and also pushing the boundaries of technology to advance what I call human ingenuity through artificial intelligence as a lever. Um, so just to get some folks some context, uh, I've seen I've joined the AI space uh, shortly after the Obama administration with Javier. So in 2017, I joined uh, Microsoft AI and my background has primarily been you know, I was part of the original commercial team um, to take uh, AI at scale to enterprise customers in 2017. And so, um, you know, I've had a role on, on an AI business development team, then became an AI product manager, and then eventually at Microsoft, uh, ended up working in the CTO's office, working for Kevin Scott. So we think about some of Microsoft's biggest bets, um, NVIDIA partnership, uh, the investment in open AI, and at one point, we tried to acquire TikTok, and that all came out of that office. And certainly, uh, in the CTO's office, we think about what's you know the five to ten year range of Microsoft long range planning. And then here at Meta, um, you know, I when I joined the team as a product leader, um, I joined a machine learning foundational team um, that is specifically focused on something called content understanding. Where uh, in the world of recommendation systems, um, you know, there has been a few players that have introduced the customer to unconnected content. Uh, specifically the growth of, uh, you know, the short form videos mm -hmm. from folks who aren't your friends and followers. And so um, I worked on a foundational ML team, uh, you know, in, in the AI was plugged into both Facebook and Instagram's recommendation system, the algorithm, the feed, as folks would call it. And then until recently, uh, I, you know, I transitioned from foundational ML to being the product lead for uh, machine learning for creators at Instagram. And uh, when we think about that, uh, in the world where we see a lot of generative AI uh, coming to fruition, and of course, um, when we see the world of creators looking for uh, a better algorithm for their content to grow, and what are some of the meaningful insights behind it, um, especially around some of the Gen AI tools as well, uh, you know, that's where we are at uh, Instagram creators is the, on the ML side of it. So uh, it's a really interesting position. Uh, I joined the position at a very interesting time as we think about it from the lens of uh, you know, some of the strikes in Hollywood and and a lot of the, the industry pushback from creators. And, uh, you know, for every right reason, it's important I approach this role with creator empathy. Creator empathy. Actually, it, it's a great segue because I was going to ask you about the, obviously, the creator economy and social media when you layer that on top of it. And then when you layer all of these artificial intelligence and machine learning um, tools, like it's just pathways for everyone, right? But you have some bastions of, I guess, tradi traditional sort of uh, creative uh, companies that are kind of gatekeepers to some of that stuff. And really, you brought up the strike in Hollywood and the concerns not only in that part of the knowledge economy, but, you know, education and everything that is literally based on selling knowledge not from a meta perspective, I know you're not going to speak for meta here, but just your own personal view, given that you've had this remarkable front row seat at the cutting edge of all this stuff, 
where do you think things are going maybe for the creator economy but more at a higher level of abstraction sort of the dispensing of knowledge across industries yeah you know javier um what i i was reflecting on a lot of um when we saw the democratization of large language models through chat gpt and i would not call this an ai hype cycle i call it a, a ai democratization cycle so my mother could feel uh in touch ai um through the you know, large specifically the power of large language models through you know generative ai and and uh specifically chat gpt really waking up folks um to the power of world knowledge and these you know mm -hmm. uh, generative pre-trained transformers and so i think that, let me just take a step back without consuming too much time but um you know prior to the pandemic and certainly like leading into the pandemic as well when we talk about like ai and the future of work a lot of what i would consider white collar executives um would be on the talk at the podium talking about the future of work of more blue collar workers and 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 really seeing ai disrupting that space mm -hmm. and the example that everyone would give is you know um the 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 most common job for a male above the age of 18 in the United States of america is in the driving industry forklift driver truck driver you know mm -hmm. taxi driver you could just, just the things that around require driving and, and then when we talk about what's happening in terms of um so the automation of driving with um you know waymo and tesla and a lot of these and crews mm -hmm. in the world of autonomous like that was the like some big talking points in terms of what's going to happen the disruption of the workforce amongst that class but what we've seen today is this it's actually the the, the individuals are today being pressed against the fence the hardest is actually a lot of white collar jobs so um you know i expect a lot i mean just the ability for a large language model to meaningfully well first of all AI at one, past the bar, right? Uh, just, but in terms of some of the jobs that um, can be automated or leveraging large language models and word knowledge to help construct a better contract and uh, uh, for an agreement, but, um, and, and, you know, obviously LLMs uh, to help write code. Yeah. Uh, so, so these jobs, not only just creators, I would say like a lot of the yep. more white collar jobs are being pressed against the fence. And so uh, my sense is that like, all, what will a lot of these maybe more mundane tasks should be freed up to, with AI so that humanity could think about more complicated tasks mm -hmm. uh, rather than you know using their time on relatively low hanging fruit. So that's kind of my my elevator pitch on uh, leveraging AI as a tool to advance human ingenuity. Yeah, look, and actually the point you bring up, the, I think for the I don't know when was the last time, if ever, that technologists are using technology to get rid of the technology. I mean, it's kind of like just an incredible um, circular situation. Well, happening, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to hire me back, Javier. <laughs> well, uh, any day, but I don't think I can afford you. Um, so a little bit of a different tack now, um, given that you are, uh, in fact, one of my youngest um, guests so far, um, and there's a lot of young listeners out there that um, that want to, you know, hear just general, very, you know, high level career advice. What has been, you know, maybe three things that you found throughout your career as you advance in both leadership and content knowledge? And you can tell me stuff like, you know, you better make sure that you're a good communicator or you know, you got to be the smartest guy in the room. I mean, I don't know what you're going to say, but what are kind of three big things that are must-haves for people that want to 
just be at the top of their game? Yeah, I think the first thing is this. Um, the My sense is that, that the biggest limiting factor of a lot of folks is themselves, right? We tend to negotiate against ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least for me, um, you know, that was the case as I started to build up confidence, which actually would be the next thing we talk about. But but when, when I built up confidence, the ability to, um, you know, take risks and, you know, let them say no or, you know, uh, try your hardest, see how far you get, but at least you could say with a straight face, you've maximized your potential. So, you know, never negotiate against yourself. I think we see that a lot more in, 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 uh, you know, minority, uh, uh, communities who are underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So that's been a really big bottleneck for, uh, folks breaking through the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second thing is confidence. And when I say confidence, um, you know, I, my sense is that confidence, at least for me, um, is, is first of all, it's a, it's a it's something that's always being built um, because for every chapter of life, you're going to new uh, challenges uh, and you have to build confidence to close on those. For example, my dad uh, is retired and I don't know if he can handle retirement, but he has to have the confidence to accept the fact that, uh, you know, he, he he's transitioning to a different chapter of his life. And so for me, confidence comes from um, you know, really uh, prospering through some of the, cha- the, the hardest challenges. And so, um, you know, obviously I've seen a lot of folks lose uh, their jobs and a lot of, you know, my work product has gone through some real scrutiny as we think about, um, you know, um, there's only so many seats at the table and effectively, um, you know, going through some of these real professional hurdles and challenges um, have built confidence to push myself to do mm-hmm. and be better. And I think the last thing is, um, you know, folks, it's that Maya Angelou quote, you know, people don't remember what you say, but they, rem- they remember how you made them feel. And I think that in the world of uh, machines where um, we're starting to see a lot more tasks that could have been deemed at one point really complex for humans being, uh, you know, uh, certainly I wouldn't say replaced, but automated at times. Mm. Uh, and so my sense is that, like, we're coming to a world where empathy and those who lead with the heart will, will, will prosper. And, um, you know, a lot of the jobs that require empathy and, and require emotion and feelings, um, are going to be the ones I think that are going to be the least mm-hmm. disrupted with AI. So for example, um, you know, uh, if you are a trial lawyer, uh, let's say that you're, uh, you know, the jury is highly, highly felt by the empathy of, of, and likability of, the attorney or, 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 or the plaintiff or defendant in this case. And so, you know, I was talking to a friend who's a prosecutor where I was like, you know, a lot of your job is really to, to make sure that you build and trust of the jury. And so uh, that empathy is going to be the one area that AI uh, perhaps won't be able to uh, automate yep. right, as quickly. So, yeah. So, no, those are great, uh, great three points. And in fact, you're echoing what other people in other games that are the, that are at the top have said, which is essentially we may get to the point and we will get to the point where AI becomes AGI, general, and eventually ASI, super. Um, but at the end of the day, we actually don't know what goes on in our own brain. It's whatever, 86 billion receptors and 100 trillion synaptic connectors. And programming logic into a machine, we sort of know what to, how to do it, but emotive capacity empathy, the ability to have judgment under ambiguity, that is something that is quintessentially human. And 
you nailed I mean you nailed it I'm um, obviously I'm a big fan of 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 yours I like to end these shows with sort of a quick paced lightning round where we ask people pretty mundane questions but that show that everybody puts on their pants one leg at a time so are you ready of course when you want to eat really crappy but good food what do you eat oh my friend uh you, you know I would a, a good halal truck uh, uh, or donor. You can't go wrong with that, right? And you, can, so, you can go uh, wrong with halal for sure. And why do you wash it down with, alcoholic or not? You know, Javier, uh, eating a donor with a beer isn't the most attractive. So so uh, I typically water it down with just some water. All that salt, you know, you, you got to water it down. And so, uh, but typically, but you know, I like a good beverage. So I have a hard time having a beer, I'm sorry, a burger without a beer. Uh, so, so I, I need a, uh, there are some, some pairings of my own that are really critical. So talking about companions, I know you like to work out like most top of the gamers. Do you have any kind of favorite song or favorite artist you use to kind of get pumped up and just crush it? So, you know what? I actually, um, I love Afro beats. Uh, and so, you know, that kind of that, that, that West African Caribbean energy, and so, um, you know, right now uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a burner boy. And so, uh, you know, I recommend folks to listen to his music if you want to kind of wake up and, and shake those shoulders and legs. And so uh, that's my fired up, ready to go music. Boom. There you go. If you want to do some real squats, <laughs> and for the record, you do not own rights, nor will get paid by recommending who you recommend it. Just to be clear for the listeners, Nate. Well, well I you know, I was hoping Burner Boy is going to pay me. <laughs> the creator economy at work with Nate Johannes. Nate, <laughs> you are a rock star. Thank you for stopping by. Keep doing what you're doing. The world is lucky to have you. Oh, man. I appreciate that. Talk soon, my friend. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For information and links about today's guests, check out the show notes and visit topofthegame-thepod.com. Your host, Javier Sade, the show Top of the Game. Thanks for listening.